Thank you for tuning in to Time Out with Broderick. This is a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between BIPOC culture, creative art forms, and educational theater. My name is Broderick, and I'm so happy that you're joining the conversation today. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have this guest on. Her name is Jahami Morales. She is the educational director at Seattle Children's Theater, and she just also happens to be my boss and personal mentor. We're going to jump right into this episode, but before we do, grab a drink, grab a snack, and enjoy. Thank you for being here. Jahami, I am super excited to have this conversation with you, but before we uh, actually begin asking or answering any questions, why don't you just introduce yourself uh, and let the people that are listening know who Jahami Morales is. My name is Jahami Morales. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am the director of education currently right now at Seattle Children's Theater. And, uh, and within that, I develop programming, curriculum. I'm a director, I'm a producer, and I work a lot, not only just in the theater uh, field, but also in the theater for young audiences field as well. Yeah. Um, and for everyone that is listening at home, Jahami, Jahami is actually uh, my boss in, in everyday life. Uh, uh, and I would say not only um, a boss, Jahami, I would say that you're a mentor. Um, I feel like I've grown a lot underneath uh, your leadership at SCT. So I am extremely grateful for that. And I'm also extremely grateful that you're coming on my podcast for me to interview you. I wanted to do this last season. Um, but we were really busy during the last point, the last time when I first started recording my podcast and uh, starting the second season, I knew I was like, okay, I have to ask uh, Jahami if she'll come on so that we can, uh, we can talk about your story, your journey, and just chat about some educational theater, which we both are huge, huge fans of. So uh, my first question for you is, when did you realize that you wanted to become an educational director uh, for children's theater? I would say that I realized that this was this was kind of my my path. You know, I, I don't think I, I set out when I was younger to say like, oh, I, I want to be a, a director of education. I, I don't even think I knew that that was uh, a possibility. But uh, when I was really drawn to theater and and the potential of what theater could could do in, in a community, I, I decided that, you know, that, that moment was, was when I first started doing uh, work in undergrad. And, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of, of events in my life in, you know, at the end of high school where I thought, where I think that the curiosity for theater was, was um, piquing my interest. And definitely there was a specific moment that I felt that I felt empowered by doing theater uh, for, for young audiences. But where I really realized, where I, I actually, I really realized the impact that, that I could have in this, in this field and in this art form was in undergrad when I was doing touring shows and I was doing uh, new works for for theater for young audiences, uh, or or 
uh, adaptations of certain uh, shows and stories. So yeah, I would say in undergrad, that was when I realized like, oh, this is something that I could do. I think in, in particular for a director of education, that really did not come to me. And it wasn't even a, a thing until I actually like kind of fell into it. And I was, I was, you know, I, ha I think I was at the right time at the right place for me to start developing and being a leader in, in, in programming and developing curriculum. Uh, I think it was when I was at Interlochen uh, Center for the Arts. And I, I had the opportunity to be the, the director for, for comparative arts at that school. And so I think that was a place where I was like, oh, this is, this is something that I could, I could lead and, and do to teach others and pass on the knowledge that I've gained to others. It's interesting because I, I think for me, you know, I was, I, I always thought I'm going to be an actor. Like, that's what I do. I'm going to do the New York thing and I'm going to go like scrap it out in New York and, uh, and someone was going to find me and then I'm going to like do the thing I was destined to do right on stage. And, and I actually quickly, you know, I went to grad school and I would say that after grad school, I mean, when I graduated, it was during the the recession, it was in 2008. And when I got out of grad school, it was hard to find work. Either I was overqualified to do the work or I was underqualified just because I was, you know, I, I was, I had been in academia for so long. And, and, uh, and when I spent that time not performing, I would say I did a couple of, of, of shows at that time, but I, I realized that I was so lost without being in the classroom, without engaging with mm. other uh, young people, and 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 being in a in a room where I could I could play. Um, and I feel like that's what I love about directing, and I and I love about developing curriculum and being in a room with students because you know, or, or people that are hungry to just learn is because you get to, to learn as well with them. And you not only learn about the art form and, and the individuals that you're working with, but you learn a lot about yourself. And I, I quickly remember realizing I, I could do without being on stage, that I'm okay with that. I, I can't be without being around other people that wanna learn and grow. Mm. That's good. That's a word. Um, it makes me think of my, on my way, my parents were dropping me off um, to school. My dad and myself were in my car and my mom was following behind us in her car with some stuff. They, they were with some of my stuff in her car as well. And they were dropping me off for school. And my dad said to me, he was like, are you sure you want to do theater? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, are you positive? He's like, do you have a plan B? And I was like, there is no plan B. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, either this is going to work out or like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he was like, okay, good. I just want to make sure that like, it's really what you want to do. And then he laughed and said, it's funny because I always thought you'd be a teacher. And I was like, no, no, never going to be a teacher. But it's being in a classroom right now is the thing that like really 
the same feeling that I got from being on stage, that rush and that like adrenaline pumping, I get that same experience being in a classroom with students, um, especially when a student has an aha moment and you're like, yes, that is it. That's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been working towards. And so seeing students have that, it's really, I don't know, like, I, I, I agree. I think it just, the stage stuff, like, we've not, obviously not been on stage, can't be on stage because of the pandemic, but I still get that passion and desire and that um, the energizing feeling of what I need from being in a classroom, even if I'm not teaching, just like observing a classroom where someone's teaching and you're like, this is so good, like students are learning. So, which kind of leads into the next question I have for you. Um, what's most important about your job in terms of educational director, in terms of just an educator, that could be admin, that could be support, whatever it is, like what, what do you feel is most important about your job? I think the most important aspect of my work and like the, the heart and the root of it is, is that my job is to bring people together, you know, like to bring people into a room to tell a story or bring people together to solve a problem uh, or come up with a better solution or come up with multiple solutions. It's important for me to be able to not only like create the space for people to come together, but also to build the bridges between mm. different communities. And, and I think that is the, the most important element of all the work that I do. Even in my own personal life, I would say that I, I do that with my family, actually. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm always figuring out ways to bring people together. And I think when, when I do that, it's, I love it because then some really fascinating and thought-provoking conversations happen when, when, you, when you put people together in a room. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I think I would say that that's probably the most mm -hmm. important aspect of all the work that I do. It's, it's very interesting that you say that because I feel like when we're in meetings and someone is sharing about something that they're doing and they're like, I'm trying to figure out if I can reach out to this person or if I have like a connection here, I can always see your gears turning on your head about how, in your head about how you're thinking, <laughs> what connection do I have to this piece and to the, the people that are involved in this piece and how can I like bring people together so I think that uh it's very interesting that you say that because I would say that is 100% true and that you actually live that out in your in your day-to-day -day work I, I agree with that 100% so what milestones have you achieved and what milestones are you working towards right now uh, in your professional career the milestones that I've, I've accomplished thus far I'm really proud of I think the work I'm very proud of the work that I have done I'm also really proud of the openness with challenges, but the openness that I've had to approach all of those different milestones in my, in my career uh, and in my life as well. Uh, I would say that being first generation in my family to go to college, uh, first in my family to even introduce the concept of grad school and what that meant. Uh, I remember, mm -hmm distinctively from my dad when I told my parents that I was going to go to grad school and that it was for theater for acting <laughs> like, you just spent five years going to school for that but what are you gonna what do you mean you're going to school again to do the same thing and uh 
so you know being able to to open up new doors and possibilities to my family in that journey uh, is, a, is something that I'm really proud of because theater and education has opened a lot of doors for me. And so that has allowed me to, sh to share those um, important milestones in my life with my family. Yeah. Uh, I would say leaving San Diego because uh, I, I did my undergrad in San Diego and, and going to grad school to Ohio at, at the Ohio State University. And I had never lived anywhere else other than San Diego. I mean, that was my, my world. No, no farther than what maybe Las Vegas and LA and, and definitely no farther than Mexico and, and you know, even down south in Bay Area. Like that was my, my world. And uh, having to move there on my own for the first time and having to learn about myself as, as a young woman of color, to reconnect with my own identity from afar, that I, something that I had never really actually explored in San Diego because I was really sheltered that I had access to all of these different cultures. My, my life was all about speaking Spanish and English and being a part of the border Latinx border culture and then having to go to Ohio and, and having to seek out yeah. in Columbus, where where is the Mexican restaurant and where is the the Mexican market that I can go to and feel at home or hear people speak my, my first language. And so that was a huge accomplishment, I think for me and, and then to be able to, to come out of that period in my life with a, with a degree, a terminal degree in the field for me, it was a huge accomplishment. And, and then I think in terms of like, propelling forward in, in my career, being as hard as that has been, being the first person in a room uh, that is bringing a different perspective that had never been brought before to the organizations that I worked at or in the rooms that I had to inhabit working in those places. I was the first woman of color to be a director of a program at Interlochen at that time. Mm -hmm. And there was uh, some uh, faculty uh, that were of color or, um, or were coming from another country to, to teach there. But, but in terms of making programmatic departmental decisions or impacting the organization, that I was in a space where someone like me had never been in that space before. Working at Creed Repertory Theater, I was the first woman of color on staff to be hired in, in, a, in a leadership role in, in a position of, of having some autonomy and power of making decisions for an organization. Yeah. Uh, and, and doing it in a very small rural community uh, was, was a huge challenge, but I, I mean, just as much as an interlock in at, at Create, I mean, there's just those are incredible experiences that I've had, and, and I met amazing people uh, in those journeys. Mm -hmm. 
and then and then I think one of the biggest things right now, I think I'm really excited to continue a lot of the the work I'm doing in a way that I get to impact nationally through being on the on the TCG on the Theater Communications Board, um, Theater Communications Group Board, where I get to be at the forefront a lot of uh, at a, uh, of a, a lot of those conversations that we're having in the field and how where we we talk about where we've been, where we are currently right now, and and where do we see the future of of, of theater, of, of the American theater, which mm. is 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 it's so complex. Mm, that's all good. Uh, that's all so good. I, since you talked about your family a little bit, I want to go, I'm going to jump around a couple questions, but I want to ask you, what was life like for you as a child? This, this question makes me giggle. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I had a beautiful childhood. I mean, I, I am so lucky. My parents came to this country illegally and they came, I mean, my parents are the reflection of what everybody says the American dream is, you know, like everybody is searching to come to this country uh, for that ideal American dream. And my, my parents are, are a testament to that in so many ways. And I, and I would say that, that I, I hold that dream and testament of their work very seriously. I hold it very seriously. And, and I, and that is something that I continue to always remind myself in those challenging times that if my parents were able to sacrifice their life, I mean, literally put their lives in danger many a times to come to a country where they're not necessarily welcomed, right? That they don't, they, they didn't speak the language. They didn't understand the culture. And we, my, my, my siblings and I, we were the, the driving force for them to come to this country to give us, which I mean, at the time we weren't even born, right? But that they wanted to make a home together and they wanted to provide a better life for us than they, they had. And so if they were able to sacrifice so much of themselves and put their lives at risk to come to this country and to make a home for us, there's no reason why I, myself, as someone that is educated and that can speak the language and that uh, understands the diversity of culture that there is in this country, there's no way that I, can look back at my parents and say, oh, I couldn't do that, you know, or that that was not possible for me. And then for me to say, oh, I didn't even try, like that's just not something that I can, I can fathom. Like I have to at least try because they did. And so my, my parents, you know, in that time as, as I was a kid, just really provide, provided a very nurturing environment in a very unique way. They, I mean, they, they both worked a lot when I was young. I would say that in many ways I helped raise my, my brother. Uh, I, I really, and I helped as well with my sister, like that 
is kind of the the role that you take as the older the, the older sibling and and so part of my responsibility growing up was to help with my siblings and to go to school um, and to help in the house you know to to contribute uh, in some way or some form to the house and I, I remember I I grew up I mean we were in for about like I don't know maybe 12 years maybe a little bit less but we lived in a in a little one studio apartment with tons of other people because my parents always and still to this day continue to open their house for people in our family or close friends that might be in need and so we always had people at the house i mean my dad would work at night and my mom would work during the day we they worked at a bakery that was right behind where we where we lived in the studio and uh and I remember like there was always like either an uncle was there sleeping because he also worked at night. My dad was sleeping, you know, and at night my mom was there. Maybe some other family members might have been, uh, but there was always people at the house. And I remember if I needed anything, if I was looking for food or something, <laughs> I was little, I would just go out and yell out in the back of the window, back of the house or not the house, the studio. And they would be like, Paulina, like, you know, somebody would come out of the paper and be like, oh, your daughter is calling. And, you know, and then my mom would come out and, and come over and help me, I guess, with whatever I was needing or wanting. But um, I think witnessing my parents work so hard and, and take a lot of pride in their work. I mean, my mom was also a housekeeper. Uh, she, I remember when we first got our first, uh, new car, it was a new car, we got a Hyundai, a white Hyundai. And my mom was, my mom's always worried about money, right? She handles the finances of the house. And she was like, I have no idea um, how I'm, how we're gonna pay for this new car. So what she ended up doing, um, hold on real quick. My dog is gonna go bonkers real quick. Okay. He, uh, his name's Bear, and he does, he has this relationship with UPS, FedEx, Amazon trucks, the trash recycling guy. He's always <laughs> Anyways, um, but my mom decided that the, the way that, that she was going to help to, to make that happen on top of like already working full-time cleaning houses, she was going to make burritos burritos in the morning breakfast burritos and uh from scratch and then she was going to go and sell them at this um school district that one of my aunts was working at in san isidro so she, we would wake up early and she would make all these burritos we would go out to the school district sell the burritos come back home and then she would make tortas for lunch and then we would go back tortas are like these mexican sandwiches and uh and we would go back and we would sell them. And then we would go back and then she would probably go and clean a couple houses. And, and so I know maybe for even for some people, you know, they might think, oh my God, you're going to go and like sell out of your, your car. And, but for me, like that, just those were moments of me being, seeing what, what any kind of work can, can give people pride you know, yeah. and, and, and respect and honor that like we, that, that my parents are 
working citizens in this country. So those moments of hardship and, and challenges and, and also growing up in an environment where my parents were always worried about the cops and worried about immigration just because they, you know, my dad, I mean, my dad didn't become a US citizen until what, like maybe the, the early or the mid nineties. And, uh, and then that was an opportunity where my dad was able to uh, ask for my mom and then fix uh, her papers. And so she has a green card now. Um, and my dad's a US citizen, which is also really uh, brings me a lot of pride that my dad was able to do that. Uh, but, you know, all those, all those challenges in our lives and that I grew up with, like I also had a really beautiful, joyful childhood. And I was, uh, I was always, because of my experiences as a kid, I was always looking, when challenges came my way, I was looking at the, at, at the, what am I gonna get out of this? How am I gonna get out of this and make this a really positive thing? Uh, in, in particular, when I was little, I remember I, I mean, English was, was my second language and I had to learn English at, at school. And of course at home, I only spoke Spanish because that's what my parents spoke to me. And I remember when I was little that I used to play secretary, I think it was. And I had this red old phone that my mom, I guess, had and it broke and though she gave it to me. So it was like my phone that I played with. And I remember sitting outside and like playing secretary and speaking gibberish on the phone because I really wanted to speak English and I couldn't speak English. And so I would just speak gibberish <laughs> in practicing how to speak English. And, and so that was something that was really hard for me, right, as a kid. But I think with all the challenges that I was always observing with my family and uh, the struggles, I, I had a really joy, joyful childhood. And I, I think my parents just did an incredible job for us and, and really provided in so many ways that I don't think we remind them of, of the amazing yeah. work they've done. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That you shared some of that with me before and I was taken back and mesmerized the first time you shared it, but like it's still, the effect is still the same hearing that again, but thank you for sharing that because that's a level of vulnerability that, um, not everyone feels comfortable to say or to um, or they're not in a space where they're ready to share things like that. So thank you for sharing that. And I feel like anyone with a similar background or similar experience can absolutely relate. Um, I think a lot of people look at my family and think, oh, they, they're like an upper middle class black family. They, things seem to be really well. Your parents are part owners in a restaurant and all this stuff and I'm like that's just recently like that those things are recent um I remember as a kid myself too like we grew up in um in what most people would consider the projects uh we stayed in this apartment I'll never forget we were on like one end and across the street my mom's sister and uh her kids lived in the other apartment and we didn't have a lot like we did not have a lot my dad has always worked two jobs my entire life like that has always been a thing and I remember there being nights where like my mom would feed us and she wouldn't eat herself. And there were, there were just rough moments. Like we, things were not always as happy and as um, 
the resources were not always there like they seem to be now. I remember those nights. So what's most interesting to me when I think back on my childhood is I, I always think back how happy I was. I was yeah. like, no matter what, like my parents always made sure that like we were happy. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that, that gave me a moment to reflect back on like, my parents are busting their butts too. And like the same fire and grit that you have to be a go-getter, go getter, like your parents instilled that within you, not necessarily by just like saying it, but by showing you like, this is how you go out and work hard. And this is how you like make a living for yourself. And so, yeah, so that, that's really powerful. Thank you for that. When did you discover theater? Do you have any bucket list of projects that you want to work on for theater? I, I think for me, I, I discovered, I think I, I said, said this a little bit earlier. So I truly discovered theater and theater as an art form, as a profession in undergrad. And, and it was really through the work that I got to do with Margaret Larlam uh, and, and, and Peter Larlam as well, who are two of my mentors in, in undergrad. And I did a lot of, at the time, I didn't know I was learning that, but I was doing a lot of devised ensemble work at that time. And it was predominantly focused on, on theater for young audiences. And so doing that work and also having two mentors and professors open that door of possibility in that, in that form made me realize, you know, or made me discover the theater was, was something that I, I could do. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that, that work that I got to do in undergrad was really, has really moved and inspired what I, it, throughout my whole career, what I always come back to. And I, and I think those things that I wanna continue to do and, and milestones that I wanna keep reaching is, is, at some point run a theater company and then be an artistic director and put all of the, the knowledge and, and experience and expertise and connections and communities that I've worked with, like bring them all together to, uh, to offer a, a theatrical home to the community that, that all communities feel welcome in, in that particular space and, and place. And, and I, I also hope that at some point I get to continue teaching the next generation of, of theater professionals and practitioners that come into the field, um, and theater artists. So I, I hope that I, I get an opportunity as well to uh, teach at uh, a college, university, uh, and maybe even someday run, run programming there or run a department to continue doing the work that I'm doing in a way that then I'm, I'm empowering others to do the same thing. I also want to ask too, because it just popped in my head. I did not write this down. Do you have, is it on your list to write your parents' journey into a story or into a show? Like, is that something that you would want to do? Yes. There's a lot of stories in my family I would love to write. <laughs> and I, I, I think I will at some point. I definitely want to write a book or two. Uh, just about my experiences and and to share in some form of like a book or a play some of my my family's experiences absolutely I did actually one of my my one aspect of my thesis <laughs> in grad school I I wrote a, a solo piece 
uh, called Frijoles. And it was a piece that was a reflection and my tribute to the women in my family. I loved doing that that piece. I mean, it was terrifying, right? To, to do yeah. your own, write your own solo piece and then to direct it and to kind of like design it and, and then perform it. it was definitely terrifying. But it was also very cathartic for me to culminate that journey of my ever-evolving artistic self and, and then to, to combine that with like my roots and my heritage. Yeah. Uh, and, and then to honor the incredible women in, in my family uh, that I think we, we, in the Latino culture, there is this, and I don't know if that, if that's also in, in, in your family, Brody, but in my family, you don't ask your elders questions. You don't ask about the past, you know, the past is the past. <laughs> and, and because of that, cultural tradition that we that we do that we don't ask we there's so much lost you know that that knowledge and history is lost in 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 the next generation and so yeah uh so even though there are i'm sure like negative aspects of the women you know of how the, these stories have been passed on in our family there's some yeah. negative aspects of those those particular characters you know in our in our family <laughs> There, there's also just in, incredible resiliency in, in, the, yeah. in the women in my family. And so I, that was a piece that I, I worked on and I, and I feel like there, there's just so much more that I want to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I want to come back to doing some of that writing when, yeah, when I have yeah. a little more, more time. Yeah. I get that 100%. I feel like for Black people, African Americans, storytelling has to be a huge part of who, like, of our journey because history books and stuff have written, our, rewritten our history and wrote our stories incorrectly or didn't write the complete text of what happened or gave a distorted version of that. And so I, I think storytelling is a huge part of my heritage growing up Black. But I also love that story. Like when you shared the story about your mom getting up and she's cooking and preparing these meals and then she's going to, you guys are going and selling this stuff and then she's coming back preparing more meals and going back and selling. I'm like, I can see in my mind, I'm like, I see this on stage right now. <laughs> like I see this story on stage. It reminds me of uh, In the Heights a little bit. Yeah. The communities of it. Like, and so I'm like, I see this right now. I'm like, Jahami's got a story. There's a, there's a theater piece there that has to be told. But I will say to you what, I can't remember who said it to me, but I was working, um, I was, was that directing at the time? Yeah, I was directing a camp um, for Lifeway in Jackson, Tennessee at um, Union University. I think I was like 24-ish. Um, but it was the only summer that I actually like directed. There was like a thousand or something kids coming in each week for that camp. It was insane. One of the adults who was there one week with some students shared to me after I had led some adult uh, rec activities and stuff. And I was like walking them through like debriefs and things. And we were doing the trust fall. And I was like standing up top with these adults. And I was like, you know, like talking them through. I'm dropping you off this fall. And I would share funny, like personal stories about myself and my family to like help people like to calm your nerves. And this gentleman came up to me afterwards and said, he's like, I think you have a story to share. Do you ever like, do you write? And I was like, oh, like I write in my journal and stuff. And, 
And he said, you should start writing a book. And he said, if you write a page a day in a year, you'll have 365 pages for a book. And I was like, I, did, I never thought of, I did not think about that. But the more I've been getting back into writing, it makes me think, it, I, that thought has been in the back of my head. Like it's a page a day in a year, you have a book that's 365 pages. Brody, like now I have no excuse. I have, like, I have to start writing. It's just like, it's ridiculous that I, yeah, that I have no excuse. I, I, it's not that when I have time, it's just like when I make the decision that I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, in my mind, like when I write, I think of it as, um, I sometimes think about like the stuff that I journal. I'm like, one day I'm going to, this stuff, the things that I'm journaling now will be things that I will put into a book or that will help me create a story because I'm writing about my experiences right now. Um, the rest of that summer I did, I, every night before bed, I wrote, I journaled what the day at camp was like. There are days where like, if I'm having a hard day, sometimes I'll pull those journals back out and like, look back at like, oh, what was I doing on like May the 15th and 2012? Like what was happening then? And it just helps me to think about whether that was a good day or a bad day, I can reflect on like what that day was compared to where I'm at now. And also know like all these wonderful things have happened since then uh, in my professional life and in my personal life. And so uh, when you were, uh, seriously, when you were talking about the story of your mom, I was like, I can see this as a little one act. Thank you. I want you to tell me about a theater moment that changed your life and how. Oh, that changed my life. There's so many, so many moments. Uh, I would say that all, all the moments and I guess not moments but all the experiences that I've had touring and traveling have been life-changing and I've, yeah. I've traveled a lot and educational theater has allowed me to be able to to do that the work has allowed me to, to travel so I feel really grateful that that I've had those opportunities. Traveling uh, and touring a show down to to Mexico the EFE, uh, and then we did this this two two week touring show down south, and we ended up going to Oaxaca, Veracruz, and that I mean that tour and that experience just changed my life. I, I one of the things that really stood out from that, or the story that stands out for me, is we arrived in this little this little village, and there was a school that had this. I remember the this open court in the middle, and it was hot that day and we were going to be performing in the middle of the courtyard, which there's no, there's nothing covering the sun right in the, in the middle of the courtyard. So we're going to be doing the show. And I thought, man, it's going to be hot. And, and I know that like <laughs> when we're doing it, I was thinking, man, it is hot. And like, we had like makeup cause we were like dressed like skeletons. And so, you know, like our makeup was like smearing and, <laughs> and at the end of that show, just a, 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 mob of kids came over and were like hugging us and um and touching us because like they, they wanted you know it, it was it was like we were not real uh, because we were yeah. performing for the for all of these little kids and and we went into one of the classrooms that they had set up for us to to change and 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 uh and in one of those classrooms they had this there was this woman that was making a meal for us and it was this huge mm. pot and I just, I, like, being able to, I mean, I had nothing to complain about. So what if it was hot? <laughs> but 
you know, having that level of humanity and generosity when all we were doing is performing for them. I mean, I, I just, that was just mind blowing for me at that time. So that, that whole trip just was, was a life changing experience that I am, I'm forever grateful to to have. Mm. The, the one experience that I, that I had was, that was life-changing for me I would say like as an adult someone that has had it, a lot of experiences and uh, have a really a really good solid career and uh, was when I got invited through uh, the uh, State Department and the U.S. Consulate of India to come in and teach out uh, in India in, in Kolkata and we it was, it was about like two weeks that we went out to do that, that work. And what we were asked to do was to come and work with a group of artists that had experience in art forms from all different disciplines, like from poets to writers, to actors, to puppeteers, dancers, actors. I mean, and, and it was also a very diverse uh, age range of group of, of artists. And we were there to to teach them different kinds of tools to to collaborate and then to develop new work and then they had to to do that and and actually that was the first time that I was not just teaching the work and and it was the first time I was teaching the work and I was not one of the artists that was going to actually produce the work I was there to teach Mm -hmm. them and to give them all my knowledge and then to let them and empower them as a group yeah. to do the piece, to create the piece. And they, they culminated this, this beautiful piece that we ended up doing. Had, it was all these different pieces that, that we did for the community that came to see it. And then the following week, we traveled uh, to this other city called uh, Ranchi. And the, there was a, a conference there for the college students coming together. Uh, and all of this, this work that we were doing, I mean, the core driving force of this work was for us to continue producing and, and for them to create pieces that were based on gender, gender-based violence, uh, which is a, a huge issue. I would still think that, unfortunately, in day to day, but there, there's a lot of violence against uh, women and children too, but specifically women. So anyways, uh, we went up to Ranchi for to support the artist, they were gonna have to recreate something that was actually specifically for that community. And, and they had a day, I think it was a, an entire day to take maybe a couple pieces of what they had worked on the previous week. And then they had to create this whole new piece that was still on gender-based violence, but it was specifically for the community of Ranchi, which they had a, a huge uh, issue with children trafficking. And they did this piece, Guerrilla South Theater, outside in the evening. And it was one of the most incredible experiences I've had viewing a piece of art happening. And I think one of the most amazing things that I have learned as a director, as as an artist, as a human being is, is that I was able, myself and, and my other colleague, uh, Raymond Caldwell, who, who worked, uh, who I worked with with him on this particular project, is that we were able to create such really deep connections with 
with these this group of artists where half of them spoke Bengali and half of them spoke Hindi. And we had some translators who were also part of the, the project. And, and even though we did not speak the same language, I felt so connected uh, to them. And I felt so mm. honored to be in their presence of, of witnessing their world and their culture and being invited and welcomed into their culture. Uh, I just, I, I just felt so yeah. mm. honored by that. That's yeah. good. Because there, honestly, there's no language barrier with theater and with love. I can't imagine anyone being in that space and not coming out different. You know what I mean? Like, how do you go in and experience something like that and not come out changed? Theater? is a reflection of the human experience. And it is our job as artists to be servants of our communities, yeah. to sh shed light on that. You know, it's not, for me, it's not about producing a show on Broadway, you know, or with, you know, tons of money. Like it's really about us artists and the theater industry needs to shift its mindset to be servants of our community. Yep. We, we, that, is what, that is what the nonprofit sector is supposed to be for. It's, it's to fund organizations so that organizations can bring culture and those stories to the community. I do enjoy watching <laughs> Cirque du Soleil, for example. I mean, and I say that because I, for me, after grad school, that's probably one of the very limited pieces of theater or performance that mm -hmm. I've seen where I can actually really suspend my disbelief just because I've been <laughs> trying to dissect the art form. But I think we forget that, you know, and I think yeah. that there's this very romantic notion in our industry that like everybody's going to be an actor and everybody who makes it to Broadway is the the ultimate and and that's a shame because I think we we in that process a lot of artists don't follow their true instinct and heart mm -hmm. when it comes to the work because of this preconceived yeah. notion that they think that's what they should yeah. be reaching for. These next couple of questions, I wanna do them kind of like a speed round where okay. I'm gonna like I'm gonna ask you the question just for time's sake. I'm gonna yeah. ask you the question and I want you either like the first thing that pops in your head or um, to just do it as a lightning question. It can be like a one word or like a one sentence where you're keeping super fast so that we can get through them because I do want to ask you one last question um, before we are done. I think there's like four or five of these, but the first one, uh, if you could have dinner at any restaurant in your hometown, where would you go? Puerto Nuevo, for sure. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? I am a lover of ice cream. Uh, and right now I'll say that my favorite ice cream is Full Tilt, uh, Full Tilt's uh, Mexican chocolate ice cream. Who's someone that has inspired you in 2020? Who, ha who has inspired me? Yes, who's inspired you in 2020? All the, I would say all of the BIPOC political women uh, that mm. are active. Stacey Abrams, Congresswoman Jaipal, I'm thinking of uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Cori Bush, like, I mean, you know, and of course, like, um, I mean, our, our Vice President, uh, Kamala Harris, absolutely, just the women, 
uh, have been a huge inspiration. Nice. What are you most looking forward to in 2021? 2021. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, this time influences and, and continues to impact the, the theater, the art form. And last feed question, what podcasts or books are you reading and listening to? I am definitely, I'm huge Brene Brown um, fan. I podcast her, um, uh, yeah, her podcast right now. Oh my God, I can't remember the name of it, but a huge inspiration just listening to her talk with um, these incredible people in the, just in, in life, uh, and what they're bringing through their art, through their books, through uh, their work, uh, their their social work in communities. Okay. You're going to send me a link to that one because I want to look at that. Okay. Um, and the last question was just not a speed question. Who in your life has impacted your story and journey the most? What would you say to that person if you were given the opportunity to honor them? That, well, there's 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 four people that I that I think of, and this I think this also just ties back to how theater and education have been such a, a huge impact in my personal life. And it, and it has manifested from, from these particular four people. In undergrad, I would say my, my mentors that I spoke briefly about, Margaret Larlam and Peter Larlam. Margaret really opened up the possibility for me to see myself in the art form and and I don't know if she realizes but you know I, I still have a relationship with her and, and I, I don't know if she's ever realized that just her casting me and inviting me to be part of these different projects that I, I did with her made me made me realize that I I could do something I could be something more than just what the media and statistics said that I was going to amount to. So Margaret was a huge, has been a huge mentor and influence in my life. And Peter specifically really challenged me thoughts and feelings about Shakespeare and how I, I thought at that time that I could never do Shakespeare because that was just so above me and so complex. And I remember him reminding me that it was a ridiculous thought because I spoke two languages already and how could I not, that was just, it didn't make any sense to him. And he really pushed me, he questioned what I was gonna do after undergrad and, and he is the reason why I shifted my mindset to then audition for grad school. I am very grateful for, I'm grateful for them to have not given me, but they invited me to be a part of their lives, their artistic lives. And that empowered me uh, beyond words. And, and so, I'm, yeah, I just, I would love to um, show them. I've told them, but I would love to show them one day the, the, t the amount of impact that they, that they made in my life. And then when I think about my other half of my artistic being is, is grad school. And I have never actually been able to share and I've been wanting to, uh, but Maureen Ryan, who is also goes by Mo, she was the, one of our, our faculty 
uh, and directors there at, at uh, the Ohio State University. And she is an incredible force of a, of a woman and brilliant and intelligent uh, and always was honest with me and pushed me during, during grad school. And because of her honesty in, in sharing with me that I really needed to work on my writing at that time, she really challenged me in a way that actually fueled my work and, and my ability to overcome my lack of confidence that I had at the time about being able to be a writer and, and to be able to express myself and articulate myself through writing. So, um, and, and she, she was, there's a lot of things that I take into a rehearsal room and when I direct that I have, I have learned from her and I've never had the opportunity to, to thank her for that. Um, and then my, my support system in that time was definitely my uh, classmate Raymond Caldwell, who uh, by witnessing him be a leader and a, a leader of example for other black students in that department during our grad school time, I, I learned a lot from his approach, his unapologetic approach of his art and, yeah. and how he through hard honesty sometimes that I think a lot of people feel when, when he is truthful. I, I've learned a lot from, from Raymond and, and he was a huge support system for me in that time of my life and, and continues to be a huge impact in my, in my career as well today and in my life. So I, I, I think, I think he knows, but I, I would, I would, I think I'm gonna have to just remind him again because I think that's important. So thank you for that question. No, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing the entire time. This was really, 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 really good. Thank you for joining today's episode. As always, please like and follow for more information or future episodes. And just be safe as you're going out into the world. Love you people. Be blessed.